And there's the guys who are signed, the guys who are drafted, and the tryout guys. It's like wild energy because there's guys who just made millions and millions. There's guys who got signed, and there's guys who are scrapping to try to make it on the team. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. Here I have NFL athlete Matt Kasky. How are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. How about yourself? Oh, good. Always a good day when I can hop on, record a podcast, talk it, talk it up with some good people. So Matt is an O-lineman who signed with the Rams and spent some time with the Panthers and is a current NFL free agent. And as well, more important on top of that, is the longest tenured athlete at TC Boost, <laughs> I think in history, if that's correct, right? I mean, probably. I think it's coming up on like 11, 12 years now. It's been, I've been there a while. Yeah, super, super impressive. A testament to, to Matt's consistency and dedication to the craft. I want to pull back the curtains a little bit today and just learn more about the journey of what it actually is making it to the NFL. But... One of my current, I don't know if obsession is the right term, but um, I think it's super interesting and valuable kind of like childhood experiences in a not cringy way on how they kind of influence <laughs> us now. So having made it to the highest level of football, what was what was football like growing up in your household during that like middle school, high school time where your parents super pressuring where the, did they let you kind of take control and that's why you you stuck with it for so long or kind of. How would you describe that? Yeah, I mean, they definitely were not super controlling or pushing me to do things that I didn't want to do. But football was definitely like one of the main pillars of like my household. So it, it kind of makes sense on why I fell in love with it and wanted to like keep playing and work hard at it because, uh, you know, both my grandparents played and they're <clears throat> They both love the game. So my all my uncles are obsessed with football. My dad is obsessed with football and coaches. He still coaches youth football to this day. So um, I don't know. My whole life growing up, it was like football, football, football. Even if it wasn't directly at me, um, it was just always surrounding me. So I guess subconsciously, I probably was like, I guess this is this is the best thing in the world. And it turned out, you know, I, I liked it and it ended up being good at it so that's kind of how my childhood got me into the NFL was just all, all the people around me kind of their interest in football made me interested in football I guess and uh, a, a big part of making it to the to the NFL is is simply how how big you are but also athletic yeah. you are Matt is six seven how 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 tall are your parents so my dad's like six three, um, but my mom is like five six, and you would never, what? yeah, you would never pick her if she was in a lineup. She'd be the last person you pick to be my mom. Wow! So I got I somehow got lucky and got some 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 the height dream from somewhere. I don't know where, but yeah, because my know. my dad's like five eight five nine. My mom's like she was supposed to be like five one, but she's like four eleven. So how I got to six, well, five, 11 and a half, but don't tell anyone <laughs> is like, is a mystery beyond me, but Mac and Dunk, he's just super, super athletic. He, he can put it all together. But, um, so looking back, like when it was time to put in kind of that, that extra work. So I grew up close to a, an elementary school, which was super nice. So my dad would always be like, Hey, do you want to go hit? Do you want to go throw X, Y, Z for baseball? Kind of what were those moments like when it was like, 
you going out on your own? Uh, was it your dad, any siblings being like, hey, let's go like pass block or let's go do whatever? Yeah. Was it mainly led by you yeah. or, or did was TC Boost the first kind of real intentional kind of effort? When did it get a little bit more serious? Yeah, I mean, the weird part, the good and bad part about football, specifically offensive line, is like you can't really do stuff like throw and hit and like work on skill. Like it's not that much of a skill-based position. It's more about like how in shape you are, you know, like how strong you are, how well you know the playbook. So it's not like I could go and do pass blocking and <laughs> just in, in, exciting like, by yourself in the park. Pass block against is like, I don't know. So <laughs> that, that's like a pro and a con because it's like you don't have to be doing that stuff to stay up on it. So you can kind of just have the season and then go do other athletic things like play basketball and lacrosse, which is like kind of why I think kind of kind of what helped me become the athlete I am today is because I wasn't pigeonholed into just doing one sport. Mm. Like, I think multiple sports is so important. Um, but yeah, just the extra work for me was just playing with friends in the neighborhood and like having fun. It was never, you know, I got to go grind and like run a hundred and hundred yard sprints, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday and get in shape. It was more like, oh, friends are out here playing touch football. Let me go, you know, do that and compete. Also work out, have fun. That's kind of what it was for me growing up until tc boost and then it got a little more intentional with that but still it was more incremental it wasn't like i started tc boost and then became a committed you know dialed in athlete it's it happens over time for sure and and definitely cool with a position like o-line that it wasn't like oh you, you're just some big slow guy you know doing athletic things like football or sorry like basketball i could only imagine like made the the o-line stuff kind of that much better um, yeah, basketball translates pretty good with, like, you know, defense is kind of the same as pass blocking, yeah. you know. You're, you're more square, you don't have a stagger, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, you got to keep your feet apart, feet on the ground, you know. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's, when when did you commit to, to Dartmouth, and when was, like, that first game or season or moment where you where you were like, hey, I'm like – better than everyone else at the high school level like when when did the next level come into your mind um i'd always wanted to play in college uh but i wasn't really like i went i guess i went through like a little lull my junior year where i didn't start i wasn't on varsity till my junior year and then i didn't start until three games into the season and, all, and that was only because like there was an injury in front of me so um, interesting like I was I was more concerned about high school at that point but then after that year I started getting calls and it really wasn't even because I was good it was because I was big um so I got called and I was like okay might as well start doing this and it, I wasn't getting calls from any big programs because the tape I put out wasn't good so I was just like uh, might as well use this to get into somewhere where I couldn't have couldn't have got in without football because it wasn't like I was getting calls from Big Ten you know yeah, ACC schools um, so I was like there's no way I can go to the NFL so I might as well just set myself for life after football and then 
beginning of my senior year, I was doing really well. Like my confidence was way up, which I think is like the most important thing in sports is having like high confidence. Uh, confidence was up, was playing well, and then got a few offers and committed to Dartmouth, I'd say October. So I didn't really, I mean, I don't know. I guess in between my junior and senior years when I started really thinking about the next level. Gotcha. So next we will transition into Dartmouth. So playing at, at that level, not the, the biggest football program in the world, but you know, you, you made it out probably in the upper percent of all Dartmouth football players ever. You know, the football school. Big, big football school. Big football school. <laughs> big football school. So so next, kind of what are a few of the key kind of moments, stories, any kind of trials and tribulations? Kind of those those big moments that made your experience kind of what it was. And then we'll we'll get into kind of post Dartmouth. I mean, I just think I'd made the one of the best decisions of my life with committing there because the coaching staff was so stable and solid. Um, <clears throat> we had a few coaches rotated in and out at my throughout my time there, but my offensive line coach was there the entire time. He's mm -hmm. still there. The head coach still there. Like it's, it's such a group, good group of coaches and they tell you how it is and you know, where you're at. And that kind of just set me up to be, to continue to improve because I mean, I just think the people around you play such a massive role on what you end up going on to achieve. So I think that was the biggest thing at Dartmouth and just the culture there was such a winning one. We had fun for sure, but it was like we could turn it on like that where you, you have fun in the locker room that you get on the field, and you, you lock it in, focus up. So I'd say like the culture that was set up by the coaches and the coaches themselves were kind of the big reasons I ended up succeeding. And I didn't really have any trials or tribulations like it was pretty smooth sailing for me I, I had a few injuries but they were small like you know sprained ankle or uh minor concussion so I was out for a few weeks but I never missed a season or anything like that and um everything came up you know positive for me which I was lucky about the I mean the trials I, I paid I paid for that with trials at the next level you know it all even sure. out eventually yeah uh but my time at Dartmouth was pretty smooth sailing and I'm and I'm, I'm sure part of the the stability in the coaching staff is it not being that big a football school even though it is for sure a, a, a football school where it's not the huge pressure on like let's win like win at all costs because it's so academic and, and kind of stuff like that it's where it's almost yeah. like where it's you get the coaching stability because there's not that much pressure on winning, but then you're better because of that. You know, it's, it's this yeah. weird kind of feed forward loop. Um, when or if did it hit you like freshman year, first semester, maybe after your first season, not getting the playing time where you're like, oh, crap, like maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Uh, never. I never got hit with that. Uh, <laughs> I was lucky. Like I. I ended up playing a good bit my freshman year when I expected to just be on the bench. Like my, I'm a pretty, like I have a realistic view of myself. So I came into college being, being of the mindset, you're not going to play freshman year, hopefully sophomore year, but 
really your goal is junior senior year. Uh, so I exceeded like I exceeded what I thought I was going to do my freshman year. I ended up getting into you know seven games out of ten, and starting yes. one game, and got a lot of playing time. So I actually had the opposite experience of that, where I was like, oh, I'm actually, actually I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's just because. I really temper my expectations with everything I do. I don't like being let down, so I'll be like, yeah, there's no way I play. But I, I work like I'm going to. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, for sure. know, hope for the best, expect the worst is kind of the way I yeah. live my life. It's it's definitely a, a fine line for sure. And it's cool that you were able to kind of manage that at relatively a young age. So, you know, as as I've been looking for jobs and I'm I'm pretty open about that, it's like, well, people are like expecting me to get excited about it, but then I'm not allowed to get disappointed when I don't get it. Yeah. Where it's like, well, you can't have, you can't have both no. of those things, you know, like, or like you, if you're going to get super excited, well, then you, you're, you're going to get let down. And it's almost like the power of knowing when to pick your indifference, I feel like is, is a eloquent way to say it. Um, so then next, like, what so so this is a little bit of x's and o's and one of my favorite questions is the good to great question um because everyone knows it takes a, a bad of anything to a good of anything it's not rocket mm -hmm. science but what what takes someone from good to great playing o-line or takes someone from like you know getting into seven of the ten games to starting every game the entire season uh i mean it's all upstairs um uh just knowledge of the playbook for in and out where you're not even thinking about it when you get up to the line. You could know the playbook, but if you have to, you know, walking up to the line be like, okay, I have this and this, and you end up getting it, but you're thinking about it your whole way there. That's not as good as hearing the play and being like, boom, that's what I have. So that, number one, and then just football IQ, which you get from watching film. So the, what separates, you know, the best players from the good players is just football IQ through and through kind of knowing what the other side's going to do where the blitz is coming from you know what moves this guy likes you know in third and long so you can kind of plan accordingly and that's kind of what separates the good from there not kind of I think that is what separates the good from the great so it's not size strength it's just being able no. to, to make it look, happen. I mean look at Aaron Donald he's he's a yeah. he's obviously like physically next level but just the way he knows what's going on and knows what's coming and just his technique is it's just next level, you know, because there's guys who are bigger than him, obviously. Like he's not that big for a D tackle, but he's, he's, he's strong and smart and quick. And it's the IQ that takes everyone to the next level. How many plays are in a typical kind of playbook? And are you responsible for knowing what, all the other O linemen are doing. You have to know where the running back's going, or is it just kind of what what you're doing? I've I've never played football, so okay. <laughs> um, well, you, I mean, I guess that kind of takes you from like a, an A minus to an A plus is knowing all that other stuff because that'll affect everything. Mm, it's all related. So if you know where the running back's going, first of all, you got to know what you're doing. If you know where the <laughs> running back's going, um, then you kind of know how the defense will react. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. if you're 
double teaming up to a linebacker on the backside of a run and the running back is supposed to go, you know, whatever, front side, B gap, then you know that linebacker is going to see the running back and run out of there. So you have to be a little bit faster with it. Mm-hmm. If the running back's hitting backside A gap, you can, you know, you can hang on the double team a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's like what takes you from good to great is knowing how everything else affects uh, the job you're doing. What's it like when the, when the quarterback gives you the play and you like, just don't know what's going on. Oh my God. The first, like the first (laughs) month I was in the NFL was like, they just say, 40 words in like two <laughs> seconds and it, there's two plays in one and you got to like, there's the first play, uh, the, the, the second, you know? Yeah. They'll put in first play, the second play. And you're just like, Oh my God, your head's spinning. Like you just gotta, it's just time basically. Yeah. And if you, you, if you really know it in and out, like I was saying, it's, but yeah, your head is spinning. You're like leaning over to the guard. Like, Hey, what, what do we, what do we have here? Like, what's the play? <laughs> And then you That's figure awesome. out the play and you're like, oh, like I did not remember what the count was. So what's it on? Like you don't want to jump off site. Yeah. Like you just keep going. Like um that's yeah, that was the toughest part of my rookie year. <laughs> For sure. Play. So that's a good segue. I, I I see what you did there. I think you, you should be a podcast host. So next, transitioning from Dartmouth to post when did it hit you like oh wait i could like i could like play after college like when when did that first was it a coach that just sat you down and said hey let's let's attack this thing was it was was it a a scout kind of emailing you or like when when was that first moment yeah it was um my senior year scouts started coming in and um they'd come over to the offensive line area and kind of watch me during practice and i was like oh i guess you know, I might have a shot at this. And I had a good junior season, but I still – there just hadn't been a person from Dartmouth to make it in the NFL for 15 years or something when I was there. So the thought, like, really didn't even cross my mind. Um, but, yeah, I guess the beginning part of my senior season was when it started hitting that maybe I can keep doing this. Did that, did that pick up your intensity? Did that not really change anything? Because you're you're a, a minimal expectations kind of guy. Was it exciting? You, you know, like seeing those guys at practice and in and, and the stands, did it change anything or, or not really? I mean, it's I'd like to say no, but you definitely pick it up a little bit when you see those logos in the stands, you know? Um, so, yeah, it definitely made me try a little bit harder. There's no doubt. I, I saw some video on, on TikTok last night. Um, the, the UConn w- women's basketball coach, Gino, his, his long, yeah, yeah. Where it was like, hey, go run and touch the line and, and run back. The athlete does it. He pulls out $100. And then he goes, hey, if you do this in under 10 seconds, I'll give you $100. And they run so much faster, you yeah. know? And then he's like, the, the moral of the story is like, why does it take something like that to, to get you to do that? It's like, well, obviously, yeah. like, I, 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 see what, nature. I, I see what he was doing, but like to act like 
you know, you're going to be a freshman in high school like there's NFL scouts in the stands or a freshman in college like there's NFL scouts in the stands. It's almost like too too much expectations, you know? Yeah, and that's that's just rare. To, like there's guys like that, like Kobe type guys mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, they are giving 100% every time. But that's what makes Kobe Kobe, you know what yeah. I mean? It's not like everyone can do that. For sure. So, so next, let's talk about signing with the Rams. Was it? Did you think that you could have gone in the? Was there seven rounds? Did you know it's going to be like undrafted kind of thing? So let's uh, let's let's go from like graduating to um, to signing that that contract. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I expected undrafted but was hoping for, you know, sixth or seventh round, obviously, like watching day three. Like, oh, you know, they're going to call my name. Oh, I'm better than that guy. Like, why that drafting him? Um, um, So that happened. And then I I didn't even get signed right after the draft, which is typical. Um, I got a bunch of mini camp invites, which is like you go basically try out for, for a contract. And those all happened a week and a half after the draft. So I was working out, training for those. And while I was on the field, I got a call from my agent. Like, hey, you got a contract for the Rams. And it was like just a, the best feeling ever knowing I, I mean, I still had work to do, but it was like instead of just three days of a rookie minicamp invite, I had all of OTAs in camp to kind of show who I was. And it was such a huge weight off the shoulders. It was awesome. Yeah. So at those those tryouts, is it is it like an actual tryout where you're doing these super scripted drills and practicing and the coaches are all staring? Or is it a little bit more practice like live? No, it's just practice basically. Um with a bunch which with a lot less personal attention on you from the coaches because there's so many guys. Uh so it's just three, two or three days of practice. Um and there's the guys who are signed, the guys who are drafted, and the tryout guys. So it's kind of, it's like wild energy. Because um, there's guys who just made millions and millions. There's guys who got signed, and there's guys who are fighting or scrapping to try to make it on a team. You know? mm-hmm. So where were you? Did he leave you a voicemail? Did you call him back? Were you in your car? Was it right after practice? I was on the field working out when I got the call. And you picked it up? Yeah. Oh. Picked it up. It was from my agent. So it all goes through your agent. You know, they don't – unless you're getting drafted, the the GM it doesn't really call you. Gotcha. And then who was the, the first person you called? Parents. Parents. For sure, you kind of have to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> any uh, any any tears shed? No, it was more smiles than tears. Yeah, that's sweet. Save save the tears for getting cut, you know. Um, <laughs> you got to be happy when you yeah. <laughs> save, save them for later. Yeah. Yeah. The, so uh, another another good good segue. Um, so sign with the Rams, and then um, I don't know all of the 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 details, but basically let's let's go from like. That first contract to time with the Rams to getting waived to the Panthers to kind of now. So, so what was it like at OTAs and uh, camp and all that stuff with the Rams? And then when did that unfortunately come to an end? 
Yeah, I mean, I was drowning. Like, I, I just did not have – I wasn't a professional at that point. Like, I didn't have the playbook down. I really wasn't taking care of my body that well. And it, I, I'm surprised I even made it as long as I did without getting cut. But I made it to final cuts, which is um, like the last few days of August. Uh, and then uh, got cut. I thought it was all over. Like, went back to Chicago. Um, was still kind of working out, but my heart wasn't into it. <clears throat> and then uh, got a phone call from the Panthers for a workout. Went down there, worked out. Really didn't even think I did that good. Um, was thinking, all right, they're going to take this with like four other guys. I was like, yeah, they're going to take one of these other guys. Um, and I, they ended up signing me. Uh, and then I got cut from there. A, like a month and a half later spent two weeks at home had a few workouts in Indianapolis and Baltimore and then got re-signed to the Panthers where I'd been where I'd been until last January so spent a lot of time in Charlotte so with those those conversations is that is that a a, a sticky note in your locker saying like hey pick up your stuff is it is it the O-line coach? Is it someone from the front office? Like, how does that conversation go down? It's different. Um, it's different every time. Sometimes it'll be, you know, the GM and head coach. Sometimes it'll just be the GM. Sometimes um, it's usually not the O-line coach because he doesn't handle that stuff. It's it's like the front office guys more more so. Um, so with that, is it like expected, unexpected? Are you mad? Are the guys like, how, how do, how do your teammates take it? Like, like take us through things that obviously like only being in the locker room, you, you'd be able to know what it's really like when something like that happens. I mean, so the first two times it happened, I kind of expected it and was like, yeah, this makes sense. So I had a training camp with the Rams. And then the first time I got cut from the Panthers, I was like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really up to snuff. So it makes sense. And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't surprised when they called me in. It went, you know, pretty smooth. Uh, but, yeah, you don't – once you get cut, you're kind of, like, shuffled out of the building. So you don't really see the guys after that. Um, and then the past two times I've been – pissed off because I thought I like it was a bit uh, I thought I deserved more like I thought I've been doing good enough to be kept around so um and it's like you think you can and I told myself both times like all right don't get mad like walking into the room don't get mad don't get emotional like you know what's gonna happen and then like you can't really control or at least I can't really control my emotions <laughs> like when it actually happens so you just get super, like, you know, angry, you know, pissed off and stuff like that. So it's a wild experience, you know, uh, which I don't don't wish on anyone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's not great. So so then, like, what's it like trying to figure out where to live, where you're going to spend your time? You can't really commit if everything's kind of like on the edge. So more like, how do you live like 
everything out how do you live your life outside of the facility when everything is so like almost like day to day it's tough and it takes time i'd say it took me until my second year to kind of figure it out um but eventually it's some, some guys realize it day one some guys never realize it but you got to you, you just have to realize that worrying about it doesn't help you so you set stuff up to be on the side of where where like when you get cut you're not screwed with a 12-month lease so you do like a short-term lease um or do a fully furnished place so if you get cut you can just kind of get out of there but your mindset isn't thinking like oh i'm gonna get cut tomorrow oh, i'm gonna get cut yeah, the next day because if you think like that, that fine line then you actually are going to get cut the next day because yeah. you're going to play worse. Mm -hmm. So it's been really good for me personally because, I mean, it just, it fix it forces you to have a good mindset where it's like, all right, one day at a time, whatever happens, happens, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, once I get some stability in life, it'll feel probably amazing, but <laughs> I'm fine with living yeah. without it right now. For sure. Yeah. Going through all this stuff now is, is going to make everything feel like a, a cakewalk. Yeah, exactly. So next, what what has it been like? Because my, my audience is like coaches and athletes and people just in performance, right? So say so when, when you said earlier that like you were training, but your heart wasn't really in it after that first round getting cut, like what's it, it like? And, and what inspired me was our, a convo we had kind of just talking about your most recent kind of um, situation that you're just like training and staying ready. That's really like all you can kind of do. So what's it like where you have that end goal, but no timeline, if that makes sense? Like, how do you, how do you, is it talk with parents? Do you have a mentor, like a, a vet that you met throughout the years? Or is it just like, you just got to have it in your heart and your head? Like, how, how has that been? Yeah, I mean, you definitely bounce some, some ideas off guys who've been through it and kind of hear their perspective. And it just always, it's, it's it's simple it's it's just a one day at a time mindset and there's good days and bad days days where you're like oh i love this i love working out like it's all gonna come up roses for me and then there's other days where you just don't want to do anything and it's like why am i even doing this i'm never gonna play again so it's just you just gotta take it one step at a time honestly and it sucks but i mean working out for a living isn't the worst thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the way I look at it. Like, at least it's, even if I don't end up playing, it'll be good for me long-term, you know, keeping me healthy and active and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. Off, off the streets and the, 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 the ghettos of Winnetka. <laughs> yeah. Tough living. Um, so next, this might be a, a, a noob question, but I'll, I'll give some context. So I played college baseball. I didn't throw that hard. And whenever any of the adults at TC Boost like found out that I played like when I was an intern or, or my my first year coaching, they're like, oh, did you want to play pro? And it's like, oh, well, I mean, I, I would. I just don't throw that hard. Like I topped out at like 81. I was nasty, but like 81. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you just Bunch train? Just like, tra it. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll like lefty sidearm. And, uh, <laughs> and they're, like, they're like, oh, why don't you just like train and like throw harder? And it's like, well but there's a lot that goes into throwing harder beyond just training training so yeah. if some noob is like well why don't you just spend more time reading the playbook and why don't you just like 
hire a trainer and do all that stuff. So like, how would you respond? Like, I, I would assume you've gotten that question before. So like, what does it really take beyond just spending more time looking at the playbook and being really big, if that makes sense? <laughs> not much. <laughs> Surprise. Know, it's, it's not right now at this level. It's all about like the small edges you can gain. So it's like sleeping right, eating right, drinking right. Um, recovering right so that's kind of the stuff that I've been kind of getting on uh, lately or trying to trying to perfect and those are the hardest things to perfect because like it's easy to work out hard for you know however long like two hours or whatever because it's just two hours out of your day eat for me it's like eating hard is tough because it's it's 24 like you could mess up at any time during the day it's not like oh I completed my eat good portion of the day and then sleeping, it's the same thing where it's like, you could mess that up so bad every so day. Easily, uh, yeah. Uh, so I think that's like the hard part. Finding those those small edges, but doing it literally all day, every day. Yeah. And then just having the right mindset where you're, well, and that kind of helps with your mindset where like, if you're, if you feel like you prepared the best you could, mm. then you're going to be more confident. If you're more confident, you're going to play better. For so. sure. Yeah. Definitely all, all goes together. So last kind of big question, making it to, to the highest level, what's something that definitely met your expectations or exceeded it that like an outsider not in the NFL would assume about playing at that level? And what's something that actually didn't meet your expectations? Um, the, just the knowledge of football and the technique and schemes and stuff like that that the coaches have is unbelievable because – I mean, that's their life. Like they spend so much time watching film and analyzing it and they don't have to go out and recruit in the off season or do this or do that. Like it's just football, football, wow. football. So you learn so much about like technique, the history of technique, the history of defensive schemes and like why it is a certain way, how to beat, beat them. So that was somewhere I was just like so impressed with how smart those guys are and how dedicated those guys are. Um, and I guess something that did not meet my expectations is like the, the facilities, like, mm. the, I thought they were all going to be just pristine, new, everything top of the line, but really it's like a step down from like those top tier college programs. Wow. Like the guys who come from the big, big time schools that make a bunch of money, like Alabama, probably Texas, Oklahoma. Those are the nice facilities because they have to, I don't know what the rule is, but they like have to reinvest their earnings or if they don't, they have to like give it to the other programs at the school. Really? So there's something like that where they can't just like sit on money. Whereas in the NFL, it's like, if you make a profit, you can sit on that. Like you don't have to spend it. So the, so those are like the nicest facilities in football. So there's a lot of guys who'd be taking this, obviously for me, like there's better facilities than, Dartmouth because we didn't have all the funds but um the big school guys were taking a step down with facility which was like just shocking to me obviously there are like like there's the new facilities are top of the line but there's a lot of outdated facilities around the NFL interesting interesting so last which we've kind of touched on uh just any kind of advice kind of from your journey 
um sticking with the the themes or or anything else that you consistently kind of tell younger guys or you you find yourself saying a lot just any advice for the the listener yeah i mean i think i've said it a few times already but it's just one day at a time focus like be where your feet are don't be thinking when you're a junior in high school i gotta like if i don't make it to the nfl it's it's a failure you gotta be thinking what can i do today to make me a better player and then you slowly build up those blocks and then maybe you'll you'll reach your your overarching goal at the end of it but yeah i think you got to focus on small goals every day every week every month keep stacking those and then i think eventually it'll work out for you and that goes for like if you're a competitive athlete you know trainer uh anything like there's no ben- i mean there's a small benefit in looking far into the future but I think being where you are and being focused, you cannot go wrong with that. And that's, I think, the best advice I can give anyone in, in any field, really. Yeah, there, there has to be some sort of vague blob that you're going towards or else you're, you're, you're going any direction. But yeah, you have to take, you know, one day, one step. But, um, I mean, if you're focused on being the best at what you do every day, then like it's gonna take you to your goal, even yeah. if you not even have that goal in mind. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll definitely move you, yeah, in a positive direction for sure. Yes, yeah, for sure. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get you on the pod, your first ever podcast. I appreciate your time pulling back the curtain and your openness and just um, your niceness throughout the years as well. So where, uh, where, where, can, where can the people find you and get more of Big Man Kasky? Uh, I think my Instagram is just Matt Kasky at Matt Kasky. Not very active, but um, you'll get a good post every once in a while. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the only social media I'm on. Like I'm on Twitter, but I I don't think I've posted on there in years. So gotcha. 